0: Hi there, everybody. This is J.D. Hansel from MuppetHub.com. That's right, MuppetHub.com. What you're listening to is a new little series called Muppets on Mike, and this is a chance for me to interview people about Muppet things. That would explain the title, now wouldn't it? So, basically, I've been sitting on this interview with Lisa Loeb for a while, not because I don't like this interview. I really do. She was a delight to talk with but I did want to get the Muppet Madness tournament out of the way and all those podcasts done before I started up a new series. So now, finally, I'm in a place to let you guys hear this uh, really fascinating conversation. So, Lisa Loeb is a singer-songwriter, a producer, uh, an artist of various kinds. She's a Grammy winner. She is a very important person in that, you know, she was able to promote this album on Conan, So it's really, really cool that I got to talk with her myself. What we're talking about is uh, the album Lullaby Girl that she recently released uh, through Amazon. And there are a lot of really fascinating covers on there of, uh, of a lot of great songs. She recorded The Rainbow Connection, and that's how her people got in touch with me. She's a big Muppet fan, and she talks with me a little bit about that in this interview that you are about to hear. So... Uh, without further ado, here is my talk with Lisa Loeb. Lisa, hello, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Now, your new album, Lullaby Girl, you feature songs on this album that we don't usually consider children's songs, and that makes this seem sort of like a new kind of children's album. I don't know that I've ever, uh, heard anything quite like this before. It's a different approach. So how did this idea come about?
1: Well, um, I started making kids music about, gosh, 15 years ago almost. And um, it started with a record that was definitely a children's record. Uh, but but still, like a lot of other people who do kids records these days, I, I wanted to make something that all ages could, could enjoy and at least the production values were, you know, up to snuff. Yeah. As I moved along through kids music, I ended up doing... Um, a record of summer camp songs and a couple of collections of songs that were inspired by summer camp songs and a summer camp musical. And then eventually I started working with Amazon to put my records out and they specifically wanted um, a nursery rhyme record, which really made sense to me because I, I, it was probably one of the first projects I had made with actually with kids in mind. Um, the other kids' records I had made were more, especially my summer camp record and my silly songs and my two illustrated books those were more about my sentimental connection to the to the entertainment I enjoyed when I was a kid hmm. and less about children themselves but then I finally had some kids and I also started doing a lot of performances for kids and started realizing they really liked nursery rhymes when I when I used nursery rhymes as kind of filler for the set those were the songs the kids actually enjoyed more than anything and they were they had some really great melodies and some repetition and things that kids could really hold on to. Um, and, and so I realized there was definitely value in these songs. But I wanted to make versions of the songs, again, that had good production values, simple, sounded like something you might hear in a room, um, you know, not overproduced, which if there's any parents or people who hear kids' music a lot, you're familiar with hearing way overproduced kids' music, especially nursery rhymes. Um, I don't know what people, I guess people are always trying to make them sound more interesting uh, in some way, and, and then they ruin them. <laughs> so anyway, I was trying to do something simple, and that led to another record, which was um, another record of mostly original songs, but again, inspired by my childhood. Then came along an opportunity that that Amazon, again, asked for a a lullaby record, which totally made sense because I'd done nursery rhymes, which was an enjoyable experience for me, and the audience was enjoying it. Um, but when I when I sat down to to work on it with um, a co-producer I like to work with a lot named Rich Jacks, we started talking about the record being maybe more piano based instead of guitar based, which is my main instrument, guitar. And we talked, and then we thought, well, let's invite my friend Larry Goldings, who's an amazing, sort of jazz pianist and arranger, and he plays with a lot of different musicians, including most recently John Mayer and James Taylor. But He's, he's a great musician, and we started talking about the kind of songs we should put on it. There were some suggestions, but we started thinking more about songs that had um, like word, lyric, pun, puns, or titles hmm. that um, that would be interesting to hear on a lullaby record, like The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, or In My Room, which felt kind of nighttime by the Beach Boys, or Ooh Child, which has the word child in it. Um, and as we went along, we, we realized it would be really fun to choose songs from different eras that are mostly songs that are my favorites. Some of them are, are my my collaborators favorites. And we just ended up doing a record that instead of really sounding like a kid's record, it, it really just sounds like a, a record that people I think grownups might even enjoy more than kids. It's kind of like uh, it, it's not really meant for <laughs> it's not meant for kids, really, but I think they'll like it a lot. Um, I think it's soothing. I tend to have a soothing voice and the songs we chose and the arrangements that we put together, um, they do that. But, you know, I think like my, my folks who are in their seventies or grownups I played it for who were in their fifties, they, they really enjoy it too. So it's kind of exactly back to my nostalgia again of that era where entertainment wasn't necessarily for kids, but kids enjoy it. There might be a little sense of humor and things or some silliness, but there's a lot of heart and storytelling, um, which is why we're really on the phone because I would say the Muppets, um, and early Sesame street to me were, were really uh, a perfect example of, uh, you know, entertainment that who is it really meant for, you know? Um, it's hard to say.
0: Well, I was about to ask you actually what it is that you, that you like about the Muppets, but then you've told me, so are, are, would you consider yourself a big Muppet fan?
1: Yeah, I'm a really big Muppet fan, and it's funny my husband's also a huge Muppet fan. That's something that that brings us together. In fact, we had Muppets made at the um, at the FEO Schwartz. We had Muppets made of us for our wedding, um, and then had custom clothes made. Uh, it was a surprise to us to have the c- custom clothes that matched our wedding outfits exactly. That's
0: I awesome. had a light
1: pink wedding dress that was like short in the front and longer in the back, and he had this really nice tuxedo that was matched exactly. Um, you know the whatnots um, from from FAO Schwartz. So, and now that we have two kids, each child has their own Muppet too, but I think we both had, you know, that's something that, um, anybody who's a friend of mine probably has that same love for a nostalgia of their childhood, uh, a sense of innocence, but at the same time, really smart and clever and funny, silly, able to make mistakes. Um, you know, kind of these archetypal characters, they and and tragic at the same time, and the ability to be funny, um, but then they're also animals usually, which is really cute, or or monsters. Um, so there's like a cute quality and a, an earnest quality in a the people who are in charge of the Muppets and the stories that that they tell. Um, it's just very tongue in cheek, but very um, very earnest at the same time, and that's what I like. Those are the kind of people I like. Those are the kind of stories I like. It's the kind of sense of humor I like and the kind that I want my kids to have, you know, it's really strong, but it's not brash. Um, it's really smart, but it's not aloof. Um, it's, it's exclusive in that it's, um, so special, you know what I mean? It's, it's exclusive because it's so above other things. (laughs) It's not exclusive because it's trying to, to put people off, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I guess I have to ask this question that No one really likes being asked, uh, but I have to ask anyway, do you have a favorite Muppet?
1: Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. And it's so hard because immediately I always think Miss Piggy, but that's absolutely, it can't be my favorite Muppet because she's so mean
0: Um,
1: (laughs) and she's so rude. But when I was little, you know, she was pink and pink is my favorite color. Um, Oh my gosh. I mean, Gonzo breaks my heart every time. Uh, I I love Fozzie Bear. I love... (laughs) Uh, animal is pretty hilarious. He always cracks me up. I know a lot of people who remind me of animal. That's a little bit alarming. I, I know, it's weird. I, I do know a number of people who, are, who remind me of animal. Um, maybe I imbue those people a little bit more. I imbue animals a little bit more of the sort of kindness and open-heartedness of the people who remind me of animal. Um, animals is definitely more of an animal. But, um, I don't know. Oh my gosh. And then I think of chef and I think of beaker and, uh... It's really hard to choose one, but it's like Gilligan's Island, you know? It's like they've, they all have their different facets that are more or less emphasized through the stories, but I, I don't know. It's hard to say. And Kermit, but I, but I feel like I'm not allowed to choose Kermit because a lot of other friends choose Kermit and we all can't have the same favorite.
0: Yeah, most people feel that way. Most people feel that there's something wrong about just going with Kermit. I don't think there is. I think Kermit was designed to be likable
1: yeah he is. I feel a little bad for him because I always want to give him he needs a he needs a friend to give him some good advice always
0: <laughs> Now, if memory serves, one of the Muppets has actually covered you before on a Muppet program, and now tables have sort of turned and you've covered the rainbow connection. So I'm oh, curious yeah. about why the rainbow connection. Why did this song stick out to you? Well,
1: this song is is for a lot of different reasons. it was it was it's funny like Amazon had mentioned it. As a, as a lullaby. And I never thought of Rainbow Connection as a lullaby, but it really does feel like it, especially the way we, we did a very heartbreaking version of it. If you listen to our arrangement, um, Larry came up with a really beautiful piano uh, arrangement for it. And it's a song that was really, really popular when I was a kid and and I knew all the words to it. And we might have even sung it like at a school graduation or something like that. But um, it's just a song that, that Again, it's it's the perfect example of, of Muppets and and the whole Jim Henson world, where they've created something that it's it lives in a world of of, of like entertainment, but it's so quality. It's like an actual co- a great song, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the toy in a cereal box, but the the toy is actually something you really really want and you can use for years and years. It's not junky. It's it's this beautiful innocent song that that sees the brightness and the darkness uh, in one place. And even if a Muppet's not singing it, I think it still tells the story. And, um, you know, that's a challenge. (laughs) That's a big challenge. But um, I'm also friendly with um, Paul Williams, who wrote the song. And uh, I met him years ago at a golf tournament. Uh, Really? He was there and Jack... Yeah, he was there and Jack Jones was there. And um, he was there to, to entertain as I was and they did the love boat theme song and then i found out i get to sing um rainbow connection with paul williams and so during the rehearsal i had my big platform shoes on and he's a a, a little guy and um i was sort of towering over him which is tough cuz i'm 5'2 but um i had these huge shoes on and we were trying to rehearse and i just i couldn't even get through the song big lump in my throat came up every time i would get to why are there so many <laughs> and I just, I told him, I was like, I can't, I looked down at him, I was like, I can't sing this song, it was just so emotional, you know, that the melody, and the words, and the sentiment, um, you know, meant in the most literal of all ways, you know, it's very sentimental, there's something about it, even while you're singing it, and so it was, it was a challenge for me, but a song that's very near and dear to my heart, and um, I just, I really wanted to include it, I feel like it's, in this record, we really were trying to approach a lot of songs that were important to me, but I feel like they're also songs that are important to a lot of other people. And, um, and, and so I, th- I felt like it really had a good place on the record there.
0: Yeah. Now, how exciting or even possibly intimidating was it then to be putting your own spin on all of these songs that everyone knows that have been made famous by Fleetwood Mac or Brian Wilson or Kermit the Frog?
1: You know, it's super intimidating to, to record songs that people know. Also, I'm not always a huge fan of cover songs. I like songs the way they are on the record by the person who recorded them. There are some examples that um, prove me wrong a little bit, like always something there to remind me. I thought that was, uh, who is it, in- is it, Modern English? No, who sings that song? Oh, oh I'm
0: struggling to remember. To
1: remind- uh, but it was that originally, it, first of all, it was written by Burt Backrack and second of all, it was done in this, like back in the 60s too, the super groovy version. So there's all these different ways that you can do songs. And I, I kept having to put aside my fears and my uh, my in- intimidations um, and just say, you know what, I'm approaching them the best way I can and I'm working with a wonderful group of musicians and we're going to do our best. Um, and, and it was also kind of a little bit of a puzzle, turning them into lullabies, you know, turning them into songs that had a unifying production quality and arrangements that made them feel different from each other, but still in a certain place. So that that gave me a little bit of a, a relief from the intimidating feelings. Because it wasn't necessarily just doing the songs the best that they could be done. It was doing them the best that they could be done, but in this one style.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was "Naked Eyes" by the way that Naked Eyes, that's it. Cover. That's it. You're right. I've yeah, heard a Naked lot Eyes. of different versions of that song. Like it was Pastor. I think Johnny Mathis recorded a version of "Always Something There to Remind Me." It's a strange piece. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, and
1: I didn't know that until I it was really, really familiar to me from "Naked Eyes." So, hmm.
0: Well, I'm curious now. Are there any other Muppet songs that you might consider recording in the future?
1: Oh, the one that's like halfway down the stair, mm-hmm. halfway.
0: Halfway what down is the it stairs.
1: Yeah, my husband keeps asking me to to record that one. Um, that that would be a really good one to do. And we had, we talked about it a little bit when Larry and I years ago talked about doing just like a jazz standards record, and that was on our list. Um, but we ended up with Rainbow Connection.
0: That
1: I mean, the Gonzo songs are the one. Um,
0: I'm going out to go there back someday. There
1: someday. Yeah, that song too. I mean, the heartstrings, the songs that pull on your heartstrings.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think, um, who was it? Uh, Seth MacFarlane, interestingly, put a Muppet song on his Jazz Standards album recently. It was... Um, oh, yeah, he did. The he First put, Time um... It Happens from The Great Muppet. Yeah.
1: Actor. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He's such a great singer, too, huh?
0: Yeah. I Well, I, I've, I've been talking with people lately about this, and we don't understand how uh, The First Time It Happens didn't become one of the standards that the rainbow connection became or that it's not easy being green became
1: I think it just um it got so overshadowed by the the original muppet movie I mean that original movie it just that one's still my movie you know the other ones are 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 far trailing behind the main movie in my mind but again like it's always hard to tell with things that you've you've been watching forever if it's because you have a, like I have a sentimental connection to it cuz that was the first one I saw or is it because it's better
0: I don't know. None of us do. That's the real secret. But we all (laughs) just keep saying the first one's the best, if only for nostalgic reasons. Exactly. Um, And I think the nostalgic factor is a, big part of what makes this album work so uh listeners you will find lullaby girl on amazon right now if i'm not mistaken is that right it's on yeah it's
1: exclusively available on amazon you can stream it for free if you have amazon prime and there's videos for almost every record i mean every song on that record as well that you can find on youtube or maybe amazon i'm not sure look up lisa Loeb, and um and you can see that all the different videos
0: very cool. No well,
1: no offense to Rainbow Connection, but I think um, Don't Stop Thinking About it. Tomorrow might be one of the better videos.
0: <laughs> All right. Very cool. Lisa, I can't wait to hear what you do next, and thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks. I really appreciate it.
0: As we bring this first episode of Muppets on Mike to a close, I imagine by now you're wondering, which mic are the Muppets on? So, let's see who it is this week. This week, the Muppets are on... Mike Myers. Congratulations, Mike Myers. You are the Mike. The Muppets are on for this week's episode of Muppets on Mike. Thanks again to Lisa Lowe for joining us for this episode, and you can reach me at me, M-E, at Muppethub.com. Don't forget to like Muppethub on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And with that, thank you very much for listening. I'm J.D. Hansel, and I'm basically Conan now.